Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes will return in the fall with a bunch of great Old West history. But during the meantime, we'll be running episodes of the old radio show, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio, and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country, where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. And by the way, listeners, I know you'll be glad to hear that Kevin Sykes will return beginning Sunday, October 22nd at noon Eastern Time with more of 1001 Stories from the Old West. And by the way, we've had such good listenership all summer long with Tales of the Texas Rangers that we'll continue that series right here at 1001 Stories from the Old West every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That's every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time beginning Wednesday, October 25th. Thanks so much for being faithful listeners. And now, our show. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. From Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Fugitive's Trail. It is approximately 11.30 on the night of January 21st, 1948. Mr. and Mrs. Ben Purvis are driving back to their ranch on the outskirts of Newby, Texas. The car, a small black sedan, finally swings off the main highway, turns into a long, narrow dirt road leading to the ranch buildings. Hmm, looks like we got company, Ben. There's a car parked in front of the house. Yeah, probably one of Arlene's boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Look, I thought you told her we didn't like your fellas hanging around. Oh, now, Ben, he probably just stopped by to pick her up and take her home. We told her we'd be back about this time. Well, just the same. Now, don't I... crap about Arlene. You know, babysitters are hard enough to get out here without... Well, I still think you could find somebody else. I was never sold on that girl. She's kind of wild and unpredictable. Oh. Never know what she's going to do. She's all right, Ben. Just stop worrying. Looks like Dave Fenton's car. Yeah, that is his car. Hey, you sit still, Ben. I'll open the garage doors. Thought he and Arlene split up. So did I. Must have patched things up, I guess. 
You got the plants Mrs. Sutton gave you? Uh-huh, right here. What sort of flower is he going to be? Yellow. Miss Sutton told me the name, but I forgot. They can look real nice alongside the house, eh, don't you? Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. You know, Ben, I, I'm kind of glad we went over to see Miss Sutton tonight. Yeah, she's a real nice old lady. Mm-hmm. Sure held up fine at the funeral this afternoon. It's going to be hot on her for a while, though, poor thing. After all, she and Mr. Sutton were married almost 40 years. Now he's gone. Yeah. Well, Doc warned him to slow down after that last attack he had. But no, he wouldn't hear of it. Oh, it sounds like our young'un's acting up. Well, he shouldn't be crying now if Eileen gave him his 10 o'clock bottle. He'd just like her to forget. Eileen, what... She's not here. That's funny. Arlene? Probably in with the baby, Les. Hey, what's this? What's the matter? Look, chairs turned over and... What? Look, my good table lamp on the floor. Oh, Ben, look, it's broken. Hey, what the heck's been going on around here? Arlene? Here, honey, you take the lamp. I'm going in to see the baby. Arlene? There is that fool girl anyway. Baby all right, Helen? All right. His blanket was on the floor. He's just cold, that's all. Just see if Arlene's in the kitchen, will you, Ben? All right. Huh. I'll be darned. Honey, come here a minute, will you? Is Arlene in here, Ben? No. Look at this. What? Baby's bottle, full. And here's a warming pan. She didn't give him his feeding. Well, I wonder where she is. I'm going to have a look out back. Oh, gone, kid. Careful on the porch. You'd better turn on the light. Okay. <gasps> Good Lord. Ben? Ben? Ben, what's the matter? What? Ben. Who is it? Young Dave Fenton. He's dead. <laughs> On discovering the body of Dave Fenton, Ben Purvis immediately called the sheriff's office. The sheriff put out an all-points bulletin for the Rankin girl and requested aid from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned, arriving at the Purvis Ranch shortly after 4 a.m. There's the body, Jace. Blast caught him right behind the ear. Not very pretty, is it? Shotgun wounds never are. When this happened? Doc figures sometime between 9 and 10 o'clock last night. Just a kid. Nineteen. Worked at his pa's gas station in town. Seemed like a real nice boy, Jase. Real nice. Anybody touch this shotgun? Nope. Who's it belong to? Ben Purvis. Says he generally keeps it behind the kitchen door. It's babysitter Arlene... Uh... Arlene Rankin. Here's a description of her. I sent a man over to her house right after Purvis called me. Her pa said she hadn't come home. The man's still out there keeping an eye on the place in case she does show up. I don't think she will. Which one's Purvis? Over there by the fence, talking to the Justice of the Peace. Ben! Oh, Ben! Okay, Chef, be right with you. If you want to talk to Mrs. Purvis, Jay, she's inside. Later, maybe. You want me, Sheriff? Yeah. Uh, ben, this here's Ranger Pearson. Jace, Ben Purvis. Howdy, Ranger. Howdy, Mr. Purvis. Sheriff tells me that you and your wife were out visiting when this happened. That's right. We were over the Sutton place. What time did you leave the house here last night? Well, now, let me see. I drove over to Arlene's house around 6.30. I picked her up and brought her back here. 
Then the wife and I left. I guess that was around seven. You know if she was expecting this Fenton boy to drop in on her? Uh, no, no, I don't. Had he ever come around here before? Oh, sure, lots of times. He dropped by to take her home. Only he stopped coming around a couple of months ago. Why was that? Well, near as I can figure, she and Fenton must have had a falling out of some sort. Maybe she got tired of him. She had a lot of boyfriends, new ones, every time you turn around. I see. Who's the latest, do you know? No, it's pretty hard to keep up with her. A couple of weeks or so ago, it was Lenny Hayes. Oh, was he supposed to come by last night? I wouldn't know that, Ranger. You usually take her home? That's right, whenever there's no fella here to pick her up. You know, Jace, I figure that Benton here got sore because she threw him over. They had a fight. She killed him and beat him. Yeah, it could have happened that way. And it could have been the reason why she didn't take Fenton's car. She'd been spotted too easy. That girl. Ain't surprised she'd pull a stunt like this at all. Not this gun of yours, Mr. Purvis. You always keep it loaded? Uh, yes, sir. And it's usually sitting behind the kitchen door. Hmm. Did Arlene know it was there? I don't see how she could have missed noticing it, Ranger. I want to take this gun with me, Mr. Purvis. Have the lab men check the fingerprints. Well, sure, sure. Go ahead. All right, Sheriff. I guess the J.P. can take charge of the body now. Let's get moving. Anybody in mind you want to see? Yeah. Some of Arlene's friends. We'll start with the boy she's been going with lately, this Lenny Hayes. He lives over the drugstore. Oh, but let's see. It's, it's after five now, Jace. He's probably on his way to work. Well, where's that? Auction barn. He's sort of a general handyman there. Tagging cattle, herding them around the place. All right. Let's look him up. creeping over the horizon as we reached the auction barn. The sheriff and I mounted the stairs to the platform overlooking the pens below. You see Lenny Hayes anywhere, Sheriff? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there he is down there, coming along the runway. Lenny! Oh, Lenny! Yeah? Want to talk to you? Come on, Jake. Morning, Sheriff. Morning, Lenny. I figured you'd be coming around. Oh, you heard what's happened. Yeah. This is Ranger Jace Pearson, Lenny. He wants to ask you some questions. Sure. When did you see Arlene Rankin last, Lenny? Yesterday afternoon at the Sutton funeral. Everybody in town was there, I guess. You talked to her? For a few minutes. I asked her to go to the basketball game at the school gym, but she couldn't. She'd already promised to sit for the Purvis folks. I see. What happened between Arlene and Dave Fenton, do you know? They just busted up, that's all. How'd he take it? Well, he could be pretty nasty when things didn't go the way he wanted. He called her up a lot after that, wanted to patch things up, but Arlene wouldn't have any of it. He got good and sore a couple of times. Do you think Arlene was frightened by him? Well, sure, the guy was crazy jealous and never knew what he might do. I see. Uh, do you have any idea where Arlene could be right now? Nope. Uh, no idea at all. All right, thanks. Uh, could I ask you something, Ranger? Yeah? Look, uh, if Arlene did kill Fenton, it, it could have been self-defense, couldn't it? Maybe. Suppose he'd come out there looking for trouble. Couldn't she have picked up the gun to scare him away, not meaning to pull the trigger? And the gun went off accidentally. Is that what you're driving at, Lenny? Sure, why not? Well, in that case, you shouldn't have run away. Well, yeah, that was a crazy thing to do, I guess. But look, uh... If she was to give herself up now, and if she could prove it was self-defense, an accident... Go on. Well, I mean, uh, 
things would go easier on her, wouldn't they? Has Arlene been in touch with you, Lenny? Has she? Listen, Ranger, I, I, I don't want to get in any trouble. But... You won't if you tell the truth. Well, this thing is getting me down. I, I want to get it off my mind. If I told you where she is, would you give her a break? I'm not a judge. Where is she? She phoned me last night from Covington, from the bus depot. Covington, huh? Yeah, she said she was in trouble. Wouldn't tell me what it was. She said she needed money. And, well, I didn't have any. Not even enough to buy gas to drive over there. What'd you tell her? I told her I'd see if I could raise some, but, well, she hung up on me. What time did she make this phone call? Around midnight, a few minutes before. I remember because I was listening to the radio and the station signed off while I was talking to her. There's a bus comes through here around 10.30 and it pulls into Covington a little before midnight, Jace. That's the one she probably took. Come on, Sheriff. Let's head for Covington. We spent the major part of the day combing the town of Covington. There wasn't a single trace of Arlene Rankin. Late that afternoon, the sheriff and I wound up at the bus depot. Got to talking to the woman behind the lunch counter. Well, let me see now. Girl about so high and blonde hair. Coming on a late bus, you say? Uh-huh. Hmm, let me see. Youngster, was she? Seventeen. Say, that wouldn't be the ranking girl, Ranger. That's right. Heard about her on the radio this morning. Say, you mean she's here in Covington? We believe she was here last night. Land sakes, imagine that. Well, have you seen a girl answering her description, ma'am? Well, no. I... Wait a minute. Say, there was a girl, just like your description. You sure, ma'am? Mm-hmm. Last night, by closing time. I was throwing out the coffee when she come up and asked me for a glass of water. Girl about so high, real attractive. She act nervous or upset? She sure did. Oh, and say, she asked me where the Lowry place was at. That Ned Lowry owns a hardware store. Ned Lowry. Huh? Mm, that's right. Him and his wife live down the street, three blocks. Big White House on the corner. Want me to show you? No, thanks. We'll find it, ma'am. Doesn't seem to be anybody at home, Jay. I'm pretty sure there is, Sheriff. I heard someone moving inside. Hey, you're right, Jason. There is somebody in there. I just saw the window curtains move. Reckon I ought to slip around back. Hold it. Yeah? Oh, Ranger. What is it? Afternoon, miss. We begin to think there wasn't anyone at home. Oh, sorry if I kept you. I was taking a nap. I wasn't sure if I heard someone at the door or not. We're looking for a girl named Arlene Rankin. Arlene Rankin? Well, there's no one here by that name. Is that so? Uh, this is a Lowry resident. We know that, miss. Well, there are only three of us living here. My sister and her husband and myself. You don't know Arlene Rankin? No. Should I? Here's her picture, miss. Ever see her before? See. No. No, I never saw her before. Your sister and her husband at home? No, I'm alone. Mind if we come in? Well, no, but... We just want to look around. Sounds like it's in this room, Jace. There's no one in there. It's just... We'll have a look anyway, miss. Huh. Window shutter, Jace. Wind's banging it against the house. It's broken. Kept me awake half the night. Look, if you tell me what this is all about... That suitcase over there on the chair, miss. Who does it belong to? Well, that's mine. Yours, eh? Baggage tag here says Continental Trailways, Jace. That's how I got here, Bubba. What's that, miss? I arrived last night, just here visiting my sister. 
What time did your bus get in last night? Oh, just around midnight. You talked to anyone at the depot? No, I don't think I did. Are you sure? Wait, I did ask the woman at the lunch counter how to get here. I see. That lady back at the lunch counter sure has an imagination, Jace. Tell me, miss, did any other girl get off the bus when you did last night? No other girl. Positive? Yes, I think so. What do you make of that, Jace? Take a look at this photograph again, miss. You recall seeing this girl among the passengers? Well? No, I don't remember seeing her. Of course, the bus was crowded, and I really didn't pay much attention to the others on board. I see. Look, would you mind telling me what this is all about? No cause for you to worry, miss. Sorry we bothered you. Come on, Sheriff. There was no reason to doubt the word of the girl at the Lowry house. Arlene Rankin hadn't gotten off the bus at Covington the night before. The sheriff and I drove back to his office in Newby, and we had another talk with Lenny Hayes. But it's the truth, I tell you. Arlene did call me. She's not in Covington, Lenny. We're pretty sure of that. Well, maybe she went on. Don't see how she could have done that. All roads been blocked. You've been lying, haven't you, Lenny? No, no. You could have made up that story about the phone call from Covington just to throw us off the trail. No, I didn't. you got to believe me. We're willing to lay out you never received a phone call, Lenny, that Arlene wasn't even on that bus last night. She must have been. I'll get it, Jason. Sheriff's office. Yep, just a minute. Company B in Dallas calling you, Jace. Thanks, Sheriff. Hello. Yeah? You know, Lenny, you can save us a lot of trouble, sir. What do you mean? Stop trying to cover up for Arlene. I'm not... You're trying to protect her by sending us on a wild goose chase. That's not true. Now, listen, Lenny, there's no sense... Hold it, Sheriff. Hmm? Looks like maybe we owe Lenny here an apology. Oh? That bus we figured Arlene wasn't on was being vacuumed in Dallas this afternoon, and a purse was found behind one of the seat cushions. A purse? What about it? Belonged to Arlene Rankin. You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Now... We continue with tonight's case, Fugitive's Trail, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. Finding Arlene Rankin's purse on that bus indicated we'd been wrong about Lenny Hayes. Yet the girl we'd talked to in Covington had been positive that Arlene hadn't gotten off the bus there the night before. I put in a call to the Continental Trailways Company and found out that the driver of the bus was due back in Newby in an hour. We were waiting at the bus station when he came in. Nope, I don't think I can help you, Ranger. You know what the Rankin girl looks like? Yeah, saw a picture of her in a Dallas paper this afternoon. You don't remember seeing her get off the bus anywhere along the line? Nope. Do you remember seeing her get on the bus here in Newby? <laughs> Look, I picked up quite a load here last night. A lot of high school kids, Ranger. Maybe this ranking gal was one of them. Maybe she wasn't. Didn't pay much attention. I just wanted to get rolling. You're in a hurry, were you? I was running behind schedule. See, ordinarily there's a five-minute wait here. One cup of coffee. Well, I had two. Oh. Basketball game. The high school gym went over time, and, well, I didn't want to shove off. I knew most of the kids were counting on getting a bus. Wait a minute. You were late taking off? Oh, sure. Almost ten minutes. What time did you arrive at Covington? Well... With all those stops along the way, I, I lost another five minutes. Didn't pull into Covington till 12.15. 12.15? Yeah. Yes. Yes, Sheriff, yeah. 
All right, driver, thanks. Sure enough. Sorry I wasn't much help, Ranger. See you, Sheriff. Yeah. Kind of interesting, isn't it, Jace? If the bus didn't get to Covington until 12.15, how could Arlene have called Lenny from the bus depot there a few minutes before 12? Doesn't seem to add up, does it, Sheriff? Of course, Lenny might have got the time mixed up. I don't think so. He seemed pretty sure of it, you recall. Yeah, that's right. He must have lied. We'll know about that for sure once we talk to the telephone company over at Covington. Back at the sheriff's office, I called the Covington phone company. Asked them to check a call from the Covington bus station to Lenny's number in Newby. There was no record of any such call. The sheriff sent one of his deputies out to bring Lenny in, and we waited. Well, and it's just like we figured, Jason. The girl wasn't on the bus at all. Only how do you account for the purse? It was found on the bus. A plant, Sheriff. Then he could have slipped aboard the bus last night, put it in there while the driver was in the cafe having coffee. Yeah. Yeah, he could have done that. Be mighty careless of a girl to forget her purse when she's trying to make a getaway, don't you think? A little too careless. I won't say that thought hasn't crossed my mind, Jace. And you know, Sheriff, something else bothers me. It seems like Lenny went to an awful lot of trouble trying to cover up for the girl. Well, any kid who's as crazy about a girl as he is about I know, him. but if he was really trying to shield her, he'd have done a lot better by keeping his mouth shut. He's been real cooperative. He's been working at it a little too hard. What are you driving at, Jason? Just a hunch, Sheriff. But if I can force Lenny into making a move, it might be in the wrong direction for him, but in the right direction for us. I... Yeah, hold it, Jason. Hello? Well, come on in, Lenny. Thanks, Charlie. Any news of Arlene? Not a sign of her yet. Well, Dallas is a pretty big place. The fact that her purse was found on the bus in Dallas doesn't necessarily mean she's there. She could have gotten off the bus anywhere along the line. Yeah, I guess so. Lenny, about this phone call you said you got. Still don't believe me, huh? Maybe you were mistaken. Maybe Arlene just told you she was calling from Covington. No, no, I heard the operator. She said it was Covington. I see. Well, we'll check with the phone company anyway, just to make sure. Check but... with the phone company? But Arlene called me from a pay phone. How can you check? Well, it doesn't make any difference. The phone company keeps a record of all long-distance calls. Didn't you know that? No. No, I didn't. Well, anyway, that isn't why I asked you to drop in, Lenny. We think you can help us. What? We'd like you to talk to some of Arlene's friends. Maybe you can find out more than we have. Me? If you want to help us, don't you? You'd be helping Arlene. Well, sure, sure I want to help. Well, then get to her friends. Tell them if they know something, they better talk up. You can get in a lot of trouble by withholding information. Yeah, I guess I can. Okay, that's all, Lenny. Let us know if you hear anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you know, Ranger. The sheriff and I waited a few moments after Lenny had left the office, and then we eased out into the street. We saw him get into his car halfway down the block and take off. In the darkness, we watched the taillight disappear toward the edge of town. We followed him. What's he up to, Jace? I don't know. That's the second time he's driven around the cemetery. Arlene wouldn't be hiding in there, would she? Look. Turning onto the other highway now, heading south. Good. Maybe we can get a little closer, Chase. Lots more traffic on that road. He's speeding up. Suits me fine. At least we'll get to wherever we're going that much sooner. A 
quarter of an hour later, Lenny Hayes turned off the main highway into a narrow dirt road. I switched off my headlights and followed. We spent another 15 minutes trailing him as he cruised up and down the back roads like he was searching for something. And we wound up on the highway once more. When we reached the outskirts of Newby, he turned again, drove right into the cemetery, and stopped. Any sign of him, Jason? There's his car parked up ahead. Easy, easy now. Better stay here in the shadows. Might spot us in this moonlight. I'd sure like to know what the Samuel that kid's up to. Hold it. Yeah. There he is. Where, Jace? Over there, near the fence. What's he doing? It's digging. Say, wait a minute. Look at the flowers over there, Jace. Pushed over to one side. That's Harry Sutton's grave. What's he doing digging around there? Freshly turned ground, Sheriff. He's trying to hide something. He can do it quickly. Let's move up a little closer. Yeah. Here. This way around the hedge. Yeah. We'll move up behind his car. Stay down, Sheriff. What's he doing? Stop digging. He's coming this way. To the car. Now what? Just open the trunk compartment. Let me take a look. Yeah. Now he's pulling something out of the trunk. It looks like it. Even at this distance, there's no mistaking what he's dragging out of there. A body. I guess we can get him now, Sheriff. All right, Lenny. Stop where you are. Don't move. Huh? He's making a break for it, Jace. Let's go. This way, Jace. He's heading around back of the chapel. Hold it. Hold it, Sheriff. Where the blazes did he go? I don't know. Listen. Listen, do you hear anything? Nope. Hey, wait a minute. I thought I saw something move over there behind that tombstone. Let's take a look. Wait. You circle around that way. If he is there, let's see if we can maneuver him in position so he'll make a break for his car. I'll be waiting for him. All right. Careful, though. He may have a gun. All right. There he goes, Chase! Hold it, Lenny. I go, let go! Simmer down now, boy. This is as far as you go. Let go of me. I said simmer down. Okay, Reggie. You all right, Chase? Yeah. Come on, let's go around back of the car and have a look at that body. Arlene Rankin, all right, Jason. How about it, Lenny? You feel like talking? <laughs> sure. Why not? Arlene, she was just playing me for a sucker. She was really crazy about Fenton all the time. Just using me to make him jealous. When did you find that out? <laughs> Last night when I, I sneaked over to the Purvis place. I saw them together. I went out of my head, I guess. You went inside, got the gun, and shot Fenton. Well, I didn't mean to do it. I just wanted to scare him. I didn't mean to. I suppose you didn't mean to kill Arlene, either. No, but I had to. I had to kill her to keep her from talking. You had the body in the trunk compartment here all this time? <laughs> yeah. I waited too long last night trying to make up my mind what to do with it. Sheriff's men were all over the place looking for her. 
You thought you'd get away with making it look like Arlene had killed Fenton and run off. I almost did get away with it. Yeah, almost. Penitentiary's full of people who almost got away with it, too. Come on, let's go. For the brutal murders of Dave Fenton and Arlene Rankin, Lenny Hayes was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of his life. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. One day last year, we received a card from a little girl who wanted to be a Texas Ranger. She said she didn't have a horse, but she did have a mule and could ride. We learned last week that this same little girl was stricken with a serious illness and has been in bed all summer. When she heard our first show a few weeks ago, she asked her father to help her write a poem and send it to us. We'd like to read it. R is for ranger, stalwart and strong. A for his aim that never goes wrong. N for his nerve, calm, steady, and sharp. G for his gun, never misses the mark. E is for effort, endurance, and fight. And R for respect for the things that are right. Vanilou, that's a fine poem, and it's deeply appreciated. Honey, you're going to get well, because in spirit, you're a Texas Ranger. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of... The Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Cattle Drive. The cast included Tony Barrett, Lillian Bioff, Whitfield Connor, Parley Bear, Sam Edwards, and Marion Richmond. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Adrian Jendo, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Sunday is your invitation to fine radio entertainment with the big show, Phil Harris and Alice Fay, and Theater Guild on the air. Yes, hear all three on NBC. Next, it's The Big Show on NBC. Read about your favorite NBC entertainers. Yes, in the November NBC Silver Jubilee issue of Radio TV Mirror Magazine, you can enjoy reading about such NBC stars as Fibber McGee and Molly, Bob Hope, and Groucho Marx. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. From Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. 
and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. From the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, The White Elephant. It is January 16th, 1950. The time, 6.28 p.m., a freight train just outside of a West Texas town gains speed and rolls through the gathering dusk. Inside a gondola car, a hobo crouches in a corner as the brakeman comes toward him. All right, Bo, this is where you get up. Now, listen, pal, just let me get to the next town. I just, just I let... said this is where you get up. <laughs> but we're moving. Yeah, I... you get on where we was moving, you can get off. Now, come on or I'll dust the top of your head. Now, listen, don't, don't, don't do it. I get don't... on your Please. feet like this. You know, let, let go. No, you let want to get up, huh? you. Just... Oh, you. Oh, let me alone. Now, right? slug me, will you? Oh, you ain't getting me. I'm jumping. At 2.55 a.m. of the morning following the freight train incident, a rancher named Banker noticed a small coupe parked on the shoulder of the road. It bore Oklahoma license plates. Banker turned his spotlight on the car, saw a man slumped down on the driver's seat. A half hour later, Sheriff Caldwell, notified by Banker, began investigation of the murder and called in the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case. And a few hours later, Pearson, Banker, and Sheriff Caldwell stood at the scene. Pearson listened to Banker. It was just about three this morning when I saw it, Ranger. How come you were driving along this road that late? I've been to a rancher's meeting in Almira's. I was going to spend the night there and change my mind. Uh Did you take this road when you left for Almira's? Yes, sir. What time? Uh, Yesterday morning, about uh, 7, 7.30. Then this car came here sometime between 7.30 yesterday morning and 3 this morning. I guess so. You never saw the dead man before, huh? was first time I laid eyes on him. All right, Mr. Banker, you can go. Hey, if you need me, I'll be home. No identification on the body at all, huh, Sheriff? Nothing in the pockets, picked clean as a whistle. Anybody else been around the car? Nope, deputy kept his eyes on it. Car's facing west, going west when it was stopped. Tire tracks on the shoulder tell that. Mm-hmm. Blood on the seat. Yep. 38 bullet done it. 38? Might be a police special. Banker got one? Banker, but... Uh, but... Just ask him, for now. You see, I... You see something? Look here, Sheriff. Huh? Set of tracks leading up to the car. Ordinary shoes, not boots. Heel marks are too broad for boots. Yeah, looks like it. Look at this one. Sole print with a hole in it. Now look. The prints lead from that way, north, up to the car. A little scuffle, and the prince turned back north. Mm-hmm. In other words, Sheriff, somebody walked up to the car, stood there, then turned and went back north. Oh, and here's something else. Grease. Looks like grease. Smeared on the car door. Same side footprints are on. Grease might be from the car. Well, it looks too stiff and heavy for that. Yeah. 
What about it coming from a freight train, Jace? Why? Well, there's tracks about a mile north of here. Freight's used a side and a pull-on when passengers got to pass. Hmm. Maybe it all ties in, Sheriff. A shoe with a hole in it, grease, freight siding. Yeah, might be worth going after. Where do we start? Here at the car first. I'm going to check it over inch by inch. Meantime, you get hold of a freight schedule. I'll meet you at your office. When I checked the car inside and out, I found a few things that were interesting and a little puzzling. I sent a sample of grease to the laboratory for analysis and took plaster casts of the footprints. Then went on to Sheriff Caldwell's office. He had the information I'd requested. Here it is, Jace. Schedule of freights went through yesterday. How many? Three of them. We can check those, all right. Of course, we might be sending the dogs up the wrong tree. Looks like a hobo to me. Yeah. Let me see the dead man's fingerprints. Sure, here you are. These match with some of the prints in the car, see? Closed delta. Yeah. How about those others you got? Picked these up on the door that had the grease on it. Smeared all over. Couple clear enough to use, only... Only what, Jace? You know, there wasn't a single print on the steering wheel. Seems like the dead man's prints ought to be on it. Gloves? I didn't find any gloves on him, nor in the car. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I got a call out if any hobo picked up or seen on those trains. Good. Oh, I found these tucked under the sun visor in front of the driver's seat. Gasoline receipts made out to Carl Thompson. Oh, that'll save a lot of checking. Move forward the dead man's prints anyway. That steering wheel bothers me. Excuse me, Jason. Sheriff Caldwell. Oh, yeah. Good. Hold him. We'll be there as soon as we can make it. Something else, Jace. Brakeman in one of those freights we've been checking has a story. Some hobo slugged him and jumped. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Brakeman took us to the approximate spot the hobo jumped off the freight. Sheriff Caldwell and I picked up the trail and followed it by horse. We hoped to apprehend the suspect before he could reach a town and lose himself and us. After six hours, we stopped. What's the matter, Jace? Tracks are different. Come here and take a look. Different? Yeah, look. Right print's a little deeper, favoring his left a little. Hurt himself, huh? Must have twisted his leg when he took the jump off the freight. Kept getting worse. Sat down here, smoked a cigarette. Here's the butt. He ain't going to make such a good time with a bum leg. We've been traveling at a steady trot. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Let's get going. suspect's trail showed increased favoring of his left leg. His progress became slower. More and more often he stopped to rest and the trail became fresher and fresher. Evidence in a deserted shack showed suspect had rested there for quite a while. We picked up the trail again. We're getting close, Sheriff. How do you know? Noticed something just now. Take a look at these prints. Hmm? Same as the ones we've been following. Not quite. Hole in the right shoe. It's not that. I'm talking about this anthill he crushed. Well, what about it? Quite a few of the prints had anthills in them, crushed and rebuilt. So? Ants start working on a new hill when the old one's been tramped down. This one's so fresh, they haven't had time to rebuild. Hey, that's right. He can't be far off. 
So we better leave the horses tied up here, Sheriff, and start moving on foot. At 8.15 that evening, we found the man we were hunting. He was asleep. He gave us no trouble, and he denied anything and everything about the crime. We took him back, and I kept questioning him. But he stuck to his story. I never was there. I didn't do it. Ever own a gun? 38 police special? I told you a hundred times. I never owned no kind of gun. How'd you take all that skin off your arm? I don't know. Fell, maybe. You got that while you were running away. When you jumped off the freight. After you slugged the brakeman. No, no. Grease on your jacket. How'd it get there? Uh, maybe. Maybe off in the freight. Sure. That car we showed you. The one you said you'd never seen before. It's the truth. Is it? Hold up your right foot. Uh, Hold it up. Uh, Hold in the right shoe. Uh, what else? Here's a plaster cast. Cast at the print of the scene of the murder. Take a good look. Uh, but I wasn't there, I tell you. Ever hear of fingerprints? Oh, sure. Here are yours. And here's a set found at the crime. They match. You still say you weren't there? I didn't kill nobody. Let me see your hands. When did you wash them last? I don't know. Maybe a couple of days ago. You know, we can tell if you fired a gun. I never had no gun. Did you rob the man in the car? No, no. Look at me. You were there, weren't you? We can prove it. Well, all right. All right, I was there. But I didn't kill him. Why'd you lie? Well, I was scared. If you're innocent, you don't have to be scared. Look, Ranger, I, I got a couple of wraps, bag wraps. That all? Hey, sure, sure. We can check that, too. All right, all right. I got a couple of wraps for pinching stuff. Nothing big. Now, look. Tell me exactly what you did. Well, well I, I come in off afraid. I was walking across when I seen the car. I figured it was funny, something funny. Why? Well, car parked like that. Then I walked over, seen the fella in there. He was dead. I beat it, hopped the freight. That all? You know what else, up to now. Did you get in the car at uh, No, all? sir, no, sir. Did you touch the body or take anything from I, it? I swear, Ranger, I didn't. Did you touch the steering wheel and then wipe it off? W wipe it? No, no, what for? Look, I tell you, I... Jace? Yeah, Sheriff. Come here, will you? Sure. You stay put. I got no place to go. Here's all the dope on the murdered man, Thompson. Come in just now. Carl Thompson, resident Tulsa, Oklahoma, traveling salesman for Prince Extract Company. This checked? Double. Tallies with the gasoline receipts. Mm -hmm. What about him? The hobo? Yeah. I think the only crime he committed was failure to report what he saw. His fingerprints were all over the outside of the one door of that car, and none inside. Seems to me if he thought of cleaning up the inside, he'd have done the same outside. Yeah, looks like it. We'll give him the paraffin test anyway and see if he's fired a gun lately. And if he didn't? Start all over. And start with that clean steering wheel. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. This evening, be sure to hear Douglas Fairbanks in The Silent Men, based on the authentic adventures of your government security agents. Monday, Herbert Marshall assumes the mysterious identity of the man called X. Tuesday night here at Big Town with another hard-hitting adventure by Steve Wilson of the Illustrated Press. Yes, there's always pulse-quickening action on Big Town. Tonight, 
Hear the silent men. Monday, it's the man we called We continue X. now with Tales of the Texas Rangers. And tonight's case, The White Elephant. An authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. The result of the paraffin test was negative. But we held the hobo pending further investigation. I reported back to my captain, Stinson, at company headquarters... I told him I was pretty sure that the hobo story checked out. Yeah, it looks like it. But somebody killed Thompson. Killed him and then drove him in his own car to where that rancher spotted it. There wasn't anything on Thompson, huh? No money, no papers, only these. Gasoline charge account receipts. Somebody went to an awful lot of trouble to clean him, but they overlooked these. Mm-hmm. On top, this looks like a plain case of murder with robbery as the motive. But if that was it... Why go to all the risk of being spotted in a car with Oklahoma plates? Why not just kill him and leave him? I don't know, Jace. What's your thinking? Well, Thompson was a traveling salesman, traveled a lot in a few days. Now, suppose the killer realized that with Thompson far enough away from the scene of the crime, we'd have a pretty tough time finding out just where the murder was committed. Yeah, that could be. But why? Well, maybe the killer couldn't leave the spot. So he did the next best thing. Took Thompson's body away. And maybe it wasn't just robbery. Well, what else? I don't know yet, but... I got some more checking to do. It'll take maybe a couple of hours, and then I might have some answers. Well, a couple hours on the nose, Jace. You get anything new? Some more dope on Thompson, Captain. He never carried much money. Never was known to have picked up a hitchhiker. And I got a pretty good idea of where he was killed. These gasoline receipts tell a fair story. Yeah? How? Well, this one, for example, dated the 15th day before he was killed. Made out in Bannon. He got 16 gallons of gas there. Well, did you ever think somebody else might have been using his credit card? Yeah, but Thompson traveled that route pretty often. Chances are he was well-known at the service stations. Yeah, that's right. Okay, go on. I ran a mileage test on his car. He got about 17 miles a gallon. Now, his tank holds 16. I did a little figuring. Just about enough gas was used to get him from Bannon to where his body was found. But he could have been killed anywhere between Bannon and where he was found dead. Sure, I know that. But it still looks like my next stop is Bannon. Howdy. Uh, how many? Whatever she'll take. Ah, uh, sure thing. You the owner here? Ah, uh, yes, sir. How long? Oh, a couple of years. You work alone? Well, nights, yeah. Take a look at this, will you? Oh, one of my receipts. Credit card stuff. You know this Carl Thompson? Yeah, I see him ever, oh, four or five months. When did you see Thompson last? Well, the evening he bought that gas. Why, anything wrong, Ranger? Was Thompson alone that evening? I, uh, yeah. I never remember him ever having anybody alone. What else do you remember about that evening? Oh, one of the worst sleet storms we ever had. Hit like oh, a... Oh, it'd be tough for him to drive then, huh? Oh, sure. Hey, um, he was asking about some place to stay. He never stayed in Bannon before? I don't know. Leastways, he didn't know much about the places. I told him to try the hotel. He said it was full up. He said the motels were jam-packed. The lousy weather... You know where he went? Well, said he was going to try and find a place along the highway. 
Why, anything wrong? Plenty. Here's for the gas. I might come back and ask you some more questions. Thanks. I began a check of every possible place Thompson might have stayed that night. But I drew one blank after another. Then I got a lead at a motel on the outskirts of Bannon. Sure, Ranger. I remember that night. Sleep was an inch thick. We was full up here, but I sent him to a place down the highway, the Star Motel. Been closed and up for sale for quite a spell, but I heard it was opened up again. I went to the Star Motel. It was closed tight. Every cabin was locked, the windows boarded. There wasn't a soul around. I was just about to leave when I noticed something. The electricity must have been on somewhere in the place because the little wheel under the dials of the meter was spinning. It was enough to send me back into town to ask a few more questions. Now, uh, let me see, Ranger. Star Motels. Uh, yes, sir, here's what we want right here. Uh-huh. Are these all the electricity bills? Yes, sir. Let me see. Up to three months ago, the bills were just for meter installation, minimum service charge. That's right, Ranger. But for the last three months, four seventy-five, three eighty-nine, five sixty. Hmm. Kind of funny, isn't it? The place is closed, but for the last three months, the bills have averaged over four dollars a month. Didn't that seem peculiar to you? Well, Ranger, we, we just sure. Yeah, sure, I know. Now, can you give me the name of the person to whom these bills were sent? Get it for you right away. Why, yes, Ranger, Mr. Carlson's here. I believe he's on the phone right now, but if you come in... Thank you, ma'am. You Mrs. Carlson? Yes. I hope I'm not bothering you any, Miss Carlson. Not at all, Ranger. My husband's here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I see. Well, I think that would be arranged. Yeah, sure. Tell you what, I'll come out a little later. I'll bring the client with me. Sure. Thanks for calling. Goodbye. Andy, this is Ranger Pearson. Oh, hello. Sorry to barge in like this, Mr. Carlson, but I got a few questions. Questions? Sure, what about you own the Star Motel, don't you? Yes, I do. Star Motel? Oh, that white elephant. White elephant? <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to get rid of it for two years. Why? Well, like Bessie said, it ain't been worth a hoot since the new highway went in two years ago. Only half the traffic that used to pass it. It hasn't been used for two years? Well, I guess I didn't mean exactly that. What did you mean? I, I tried to keep it going for a year after the highway went through, but... Couldn't rent enough rooms. Wasn't worth trying to save. You got the keys to it? Keys? Oh, sure. Is something wrong, Ranger? Might be, ma'am. Can you take me through the motel, Mr. Carlson? Anytime. Right now, suit you? Couldn't be better. Let's go. Been out here for close on three or four weeks. Did you go through the cabins then? Oh, just take a look, see. Kids sometimes fool around. That's why I boarded up the windows. Want to take a look in the office? Yeah. Go ahead, Mr. Carlson. Sure. 
Nothing in here, Ranger. Nope, there's not. Anything in particular you're looking for? Yeah. You have this floor washed lately? Oh, heck no. Ain't no use paying for something like that. It's been washed recently. Huh? But why? How do you know? Scrubbing wood with hot water always raises the grain. And hot water isn't as good as cold to wash out blood stains. Blood? Blood? Reach! Oh, 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 what's the matter with you? Quick, guns, Ranger. Hold you. Sit down. Go on. Come on. What the devil is this? Who are you fellas? My guess is a couple of men I want for murder, Mr. Kelson. Murder? Just get the telephone wire. Everything okay? Yeah, push that guy. Me? Why, I never carry a gun. Well, we just make sure. Yeah, he's clean. All right, now strip the ranger's gun belt. Wait a minute. You got the drop on me. Maybe I'd have to be a fool to draw. But if you don't want me to be a fool, don't touch these guns. You try and take them off me and I'll go down using them. And I might get lucky. All right, Locke. Let him alone. He's too smart to start anything. Go get the panel truck out and start loading our stuff fast. Well, what about them? We can lock them in. Fix their car so they can't get out of here for a while after we leave. If they try to come out while we're still here, we'll blast whatever door or window they try to come through. Get that, Ranger? I get it. Okay. I'll be outside, Chuck. So your name's Chuck, huh? Good as any. What are you and that other fellow doing in my place? Go ahead, Chuck. Tell him. Some other time, friend. Now you two listen. Because I ain't going to say this twice. Try to bust out before you hear us drive off and you'll get it good. Now stay put. They got us locked in. Yeah. Don't go near that window. You heard what he said. That'll crack in the boarding. Just taking a look. What are they doing? Come here and take a look for yourself. Oh, I should have watched the place more. I, I never knew anyone who's using it. Then use plenty. Look what they're taking out. Birds. All kinds of stuff. It's beginning to make sense. Closed down motel, made a nice storage bin for stolen, unsmuggled goods till they could run it to the markets. Oh, they'll get away. You you said there was a murder. Take it easy, Mr. Carlson. We'll get them. Oh, they'll be across the border in a half an hour before we could even reach a phone. Maybe you better take a chance and get shot down in cold blood. No. But we'll get them all right. Know why, Mr. Carlson? Why? <laughs> because you'll help. I pinned Kelson with a quick headlock and then got one arm up behind him and applied pressure so I could keep him still while I had a free hand. I reached into his jacket and found what I was looking for under his shoulder. Then I pushed him. Are you crazy? He almost broke my arm. Shut up, Kelson. Don't you think I saw this gun bulging under your coat and they deliberately missed it when they frisked you? You played it real smart, almost. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. This gun and the electric bills. You paid them. Paid bills that were being run up in a place that was supposed to be shut down. Seemed kind of funny you never complained to the power company. So what? Well, you so you got a phone call from your friends out there. They tipped you because they saw me nosing around here earlier, right? No. Okay. Okay, take a look out there. They're almost finished. In a couple of minutes, they'll be gone. In half an hour, they'll be over the border. How about you? You want to stick back here and face a murder charge? There's nothing you can prove. There's plenty we can prove, Calson. And you're holding the bag. You'll have a tough time explaining those electric bills and them missing your gun. I didn't kill that man. Did this Chuck do it? Yeah, yeah, that salesman come in. The show was going on. Chuck killed him, then drove him away. All right. Now listen real careful to me. I'm going to fire this gun of yours. Then you hammer on the door and holler for him. Get it? 
What do you want to Just do then? Just listen. When they come up, tell them you had to kill me. Tell them to open the door. Then Mr. Kelson step back and out of the way fast. They'll be gone in a minute. Make up your mind. All right. Go ahead. I'll do it. Any funny tricks and you get it first. Now. Ready? Open that door and holler. Chuck! Lark! Give me a pass! Open the door! Now, when it's open, step back. What's the matter? Carlson! Open the door! I had to kill him! He was making a break for it! Can you just knock him out? Reach! Open! Hey, what's the big idea? Why, you... We'll come back for him later, Carlson. Meantime, let's you and me get back to town. I got you a deal for this white elephant motel. You can trade it for a jail cell. Andrew Kelson was convicted for his part in the murder. His sentence, life imprisonment. Now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. Almost a year ago, a faithful listener wrote to us and said she'd heard of an official Texas Ranger prayer and inquired if such a prayer actually existed. We assured her it did. And in response to her letter, we read the Texas Ranger's prayer over the air. Folks, I wish you could have seen the hundreds of letters we received after that broadcast. Since that first reading of the Texas Ranger prayer... There's hardly a week goes by that we haven't had a request to repeat it. And we're mighty pleased to read it for you again tonight because we know now how many of you, like the men it was written for, realize the importance of a power outside ourselves to whom we may turn. The Texas Ranger Prayer by Captain Pierre Bernard Hill, chaplain of the Texas Rangers. God, whose end is justice, whose strength is all our stay, be near and bless my mission as I go forth today. Let wisdom guide my actions, let courage fill my heart, and help me, Lord, in every hour to do a ranger's part. Protect when danger threatens, sustain when trails are rough. Help me to keep my standard high and smile at each rebuff. When night comes down upon me, I pray thee, Lord, be nigh. Whether on lonely scout or camped under the Texas sky, keep me, O God, in life. And when my days shall end, forgive my sins and take me in. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.